Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Brandon Russell, and I'm the online writer here at IFA Magazine. And joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. Hi, everybody. It's Sue here. And on today's IFA Talk podcast, we're looking at tax-efficient investing. Uh, Specifically, it will be the highly attractive but often confusing world of enterprise investment schemes and venture capital trusts, or ECTs and EIS. But I'm pleased to tell you that we've got an expert on these investments on the pod today, and it's Jess Franks. Jess is Head of Investment Products at Octopus Investments. Jess, welcome to IFA Talk. It's great to talk to you. Hi, Steve and Brendan. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that you do there at Octopus to get us started? Yeah, of course. Um, So Octopus Investments, we are a specialist asset manager. Um, We we invest in specialist sectors, one of which is smaller companies, which we'll talk a bit about today. And we are also specialists in tax-efficient investments. Um, My role is to look after um, all of our investment propositions for customers, make sure that they work well as described to customers. My background is in tax, so the fact that... um, big chunk of our investments qualify for tax efficient uh, uh, tax efficient investments means that my background is um, really useful there and I've been here for uh, just over eight years. Excellent uh, we've got the right person to talk to today. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah definitely. So hi Jessie yeah, it's great to meet you. So obviously both EIS and VCTs offer generous tax relief to private investors. So could we start by asking you to outline what are the key differences between VCTs and EIS that advisors need to know? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, and I can really understand why there can be um, confusion about the differences between the two products. They are actually quite different. But starting from the beginning, um, as you've already said, both EIS and VCT qualify for generous tax reliefs. And the reason that they do is because they direct capital from investors into small, early stage companies that have got um, potential for significant growth. But with that comes um, high risk of failure that is inherent to making smaller company investments and I'm sure it sounds very logical to everybody that you cannot um, look to achieve very high growth without taking a significant amount of risk Um, and when you hear people talking about high potential for growth typically in venture investing uh, what managers are talking about is looking for opportunities capable of growing by 10 times from the day they invest their money so anything that's got the potential to grow by 10 times has also got the potential to fail. And when you're thinking about ventures investing, it's pretty normal to think about a kind of 50% default failure rate. So there'll be some really successful companies that go on to become um, probably the household names that we're all familiar with um, in the future, but there'll also be a really significant risk of of failure there. And so what these tax reliefs are doing are trying to compensate investors in part for some of that risk that they're taking. And both EIS and VCT direct money to those to the same kinds of companies. And the qualification criteria for the underlying um, end investments is the same. If that's our starting point, um, to then um, I'll come on to answer your question about what are the key differences. The most important key difference is that EIS investments are direct investments into those underlying early stage companies. So as an investor, you can go out on an individual basis and find your own 
um, companies that you might choose to invest in that qualify for EIS relief. They could be the companies that friends or family are starting up, or they could be the companies that specialist managers or platforms identify and give you the opportunity to invest in. And you can invest into just one or two, or more likely create your own um, portfolio or have a manager create a portfolio of more than one EIS company for you. But you are the owner of those underlying shares in that company. A VCT is a very different proposition for an investor. It is a listed company um, that pulls money from lots of different investors and invests it into um, minority stakes, into a really um, typically well diversified within the sector, but a large number of early stage companies. And it's an evergreen structure. So many VCTs will have been operating for quite a few years. And they will be holding um, investments that they made several years ago in companies that at that time were um, very early stage, but have progressed to become a bit more mature and a bit bigger. And they'll also be investing the new capital that they raise into more new, very early stage, small companies. So in a nutshell, you've got EIS where you're going into companies that either you select or a manager select, but you hold the shares directly yourself. And VCTs, where you're going into more of a fund structure, um, although the underlying assets are these um, early stage companies, you've got a lot of, within one sector, diversification through number of investments built into your holding in that one VCT company itself. Oh, well done, Jess. I think you did a great job there explaining those differences. You say that, oh, Thank no. you. <laughs> they are nuanced, but um, I wonder whether you think there are any particular characteristics of a typical VCT investor or a typical EIS investor that you could identify, or is it just too hard to pigeonhole them in that way? It's an interesting question. I think if I come back to thinking about the differences between the two structures, it's easier to pick apart why an investor might want to invest in um, either EIS or VCT. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess think a lot of investors do invest in both um, because they give them quite different outcomes. I think about VCTs as being um, an easier entry point to thinking about smaller company investing. The reason for that is because typically, if you're going to invest into a VCT, the um, capital investment amount that you need to put in is tends to be smaller than if you're trying to build a diversified portfolio of EIS companies. Um, and the reason for that is probably quite obvious given what I said before, because you're buying shares in one company, but you're getting access to a really large portfolio of underlying, underlying businesses. Um, and if we think about what the return profile of a VCT is targeting, how it looks to a typical investor, because you're investing into this um, company that holds a lot of underlying investments underneath it, how returns um, from VCTs are typically paid out to investors is through dividends. Um, and VCTs are able to do that because they're holding a large number of companies underneath. They will be seeing um, exits from companies that they invested in probably five, six, seven years ago that are ready to be sold, that they've supported them on their growth journey. So they are realising um, investment capital within the VCT that they are able to then pay out to investors as returns on their investment. And also, the last point that's important to think about with a VCT is that 
Because you're holding shares in a listed company alongside lots of other investors, there is a minimum holding period to qualify for tax relief of five years. And typically investors choose to hold their investment for quite a lot longer than that because they like it as an investment. But once they come to think, actually, I'd like to realise this investment, most VCTs um, offer investors the chance to buy their shares back. So all things going well, they're able to create some liquidity for investors to exit their investment. Um, then think So that can appeal to investors with more modest amounts to invest who are thinking, I'd really like to start adding some smaller company um, investments to my portfolio. I find it really interesting. We typically see investors who think, maybe I'll do some ISA investments this year, but I'd also like to do some VCT investments or I've filled my ISA, but I'd like to do VCT as well in addition. Um, I think those conversations are have been becoming increasingly common um, in recent years. Obviously, acknowledging the risk and acknowledging that that's um, the job of the tax relief to try and mitigate against some of that risk of portfolio that they're investing in. But then thinking about what a typical EIS investor is trying to access and is signing up to when they're finding EIS qualifying investments, they are investing in one or more, um, directly investing in one or more portfolio companies. That means these are early stage companies. They are trying to back that company through the capital they're investing until it is hopefully everything going well, a successful, more mature business and is able to be exited in some form. Maybe it lists, maybe it gets sold to another company. Um, so the expectation on an EIS investor should be that they're going to be invested for quite a long time. We set expectation at around eight years on average. We talk between five and 10 years. There's sometimes a bit of a misunderstanding about EIS because the minimum holding period for tax relief is three years, but it's uh, not a normal situation that you would typically invest in an EIS qualifying company and commercially either want to or be presented with an excess opportunity at, at three years. So you're in an, each of your, if you invest in more than one company, each of those companies is, is an illiquid investment and you're not going to be able to dictate the timing that you sell your shares for um, and you may well have to wait for quite a long time but the reason that you're prepared to do it is because you hope that across your portfolio some of those companies could go on to be those 10x or more winners those household names of the future um, it's worth focusing on help EIS reliefs to help investors take on that risk um, because Again, EIS investors benefit from a 30% income tax relief upfront on, on each of their company investments. Um, they're really unlikely to see any income paid out by the company over their investment period. These are very small companies. If they're making um, profits, they may go on to start to be profitable, um, but they're going to be reinvesting in their own growth. So they're not going to expect to get dividends out. Um, they are hoping for a large capital growth event uh, on exit and EIS enables that capital growth to be delivered free from capital gains tax so that can be a really significant benefit to investors um, on the flip side I talked about risk at the start if you're investing in let's call it a portfolio of 10 EIS companies you might expect on average four or five of those companies to fail um, and what EIS relief does um, is allow you to offset the loss of that relief against either capital gains you might have made elsewhere or income tax bills. So it's the net 
loss that you've made. So net of that 30% income tax relief, um, the Treasury, so you've actually had, we've sort of protected you a little bit already, but so you've made a 70% loss on your investment in that company. You're able to offset each loss on an individual basis against your income tax relief. So what that means is across a portfolio, you could end up in a situation where five of your companies do well and the growth is free from capital gains tax and five of them do badly, but you've been able to push them some of that loss through some loss relief against your income tax. So typically, bearing that in mind, an EIS investor is somebody who's saying, with this pot of money, I'm really keen to back some of the potential exciting, great stories of the future. Maybe I'm really interested in seeing into the underlying companies that I'm backing. I I kind of want to have a feel like I've got a connection with them and feel like I've supported them through my investment. Um, I accept that I might lose this money and I understand it. But what I'm really going for and the reason I'm happy to accept that risk is because I think that some of these companies could be real winners over the next five to 10 years. And that is going to, um, all going well, create some really meaningful growth for me from this investment. So um, if I was being very kind of stereotypical <laughs> or talking to some of my friends maybe about the difference, I'd be saying probably think about VCT first to get familiar with smaller company investing because it's likely to be easier for you to um, enter this space in that way. Um, and once you get familiar with it and you think that you like it, if you've got um, maybe slightly bigger amounts to invest and you want to be going for those potential big growth stories and you're happy to take that level of risk um, and you understand that each of those investments are going to be illiquid for you and you're not going to be able to dictate when you exit them, then EIS probably starts to look like the thing for you. You talked about there, Jess, the investment amounts involved. I wonder, do you see a sort of typical-ish investment amount that we're talking about? What kind of ballpark are we are we looking at here for VCT EIS or, or isn't there such yeah. a thing? Yeah, there is there is such a thing. So minimum investment sizes on VCTs tend to be between three and five thousand pounds. And our yeah. Yeah. And our and our average investor size on VCTs tends to be between twenty-five and thirty thousand pounds. You're allowed to invest up to two hundred thousand pounds a year um, for VCTs, yeah. and we do have investors at that level. Um, in terms of EIS, a typical managed EIS portfolio where a manager is going to select probably around 10 EIS companies for you that tends to start at about £25,000 yeah. and the limits are much more generous from um, from HMT there they are up to one to two million pounds a year depending on some quite technical points that I won't bore you with and so they're much larger and our average investment size on our EIS offer is between 75 and 100,000 pounds. Perfect. That answers my question beautifully. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. Given your experience, how would you describe advisors' awareness of EIS? and VCT schemes? I think there is huge awareness of both of the um, investment opportunities in the round. I think some of the points that we've focused our time on um, already today, understandably, um, if these are not investments that advisors turn their attention to 
very regularly, and I think for most advisors that would be the case, there can be some initial um, of learning or focus needed to remind themselves of the differences to think oh, oh that's right I remember that one's that one looks like that and, and that one looks a bit different and it looks like this I think probably one of the challenges for advisors is not only it's probably more straightforward to identify clients in their bank and who these investments might be suitable then there's the extra challenge of needing to educate their clients about the um, investment proposition because these are not investments that most customers will be overly familiar with um and i think that can understandably be a barrier for an advisor to think well i've, I've identified an opportunity but that feels like something that's going to take more of my time and and a need to understand what resources might be available to them to support them in those conversations you talked about um, advisors speaking with their clients about these schemes there, Jess. And I wonder, and we're, we're going to be wrapping up soon. It's just flown by today. Uh, these schemes, they clearly lend themselves really well as tax planning tools the way you've outlined. But I wonder if you could just highlight perhaps some interesting planning angles that advisors might just resonate with. So on VCTs, as I said at the start, typically your, your stereotypical scenario is investors that are have high paying jobs who have either reached the pension cap from a lifetime allowance perspective or very easily um, fill their annual pension allowance typically fill their ISA and think what's next I've got a significant amount of money to invest every year and I'd like to make some more tax efficient investments or I'd like to make some more investments that are capable of yielding higher returns accepting the higher risk that's a very stereotypical vct conversation to have in a vct um, investor we see um landlord clients i mean maybe maybe this will be dropping off because i obviously being a landlord has become um very yeah. challenging now yeah, we can talk about that from eis in a moment um but we do see landlord clients where they've got um high visibility of what their annual income might be looking to do some income tax planning and using VCT income tax relief to offset some of the bill maybe slightly higher income tax bill that they've got because they haven't been able to offset mortgage interest the mm. so VCT planning scenarios tend to be quite straightforward EIS um qualifies or EIS investments qualify for a larger suite of tax reliefs that certain investors can make can take advantage of so it does lend itself more to more interesting client planning scenarios. So touching on landlords, one of the incremental EIS reliefs that I haven't talked about yet is capital gains tax deferral relief. That means if you realise a capital gain on an asset, for example, you're a landlord that sold your um, property, one or more property portfolios that weren't your residence, um, and you've realised a capital gain, if you want to make an EIS investment, um, you can elect to offset as much of your gain as you've invested into EIS and defer that gain until your EIS investment is exited. So how that tends to manifest is if somebody invests, say, £100,000 gain across 10 EIS companies, £10,000 in each company, it's likely that each of those companies is going to see an exit event in different tax years or maybe a couple in one tax year. So it tends to spread the return of the gain out and might enable um, 
a better use of personal allowances, although obviously those have been uh, curtailed oh, quite yeah, significantly. Yeah, they've been, they've been cut dramatic, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, and, and capital gains deferral in EIS tends to be a little bit marmite because there are people that um, are very motivated to, to defer gains and, and potentially are considering maybe they'd defer them again in the future if EIS continues to be supported by the government and they've indicated they would do that. They're, they're really, um, really very supportive about EIS and BCT, both um, the current government and uh, the Labour Party when they've been preparing the, the groundwork for what their government might look like should they have the opportunity to show us. Both um, sets of politicians are very supportive of EIS and BCT, which is mm -hmm. worth bearing in mind. Um, but so CDT deferral tends to be quite Marmite because there are people that think deferring gains is great and maybe I'll continue deferring them in the future by making further EIS investments. And there are people that think, actually, I'd rather not defer the gain, even though I can, because there is the risk that when my EIS investments mature, um, capital gains tax will be at a higher rate. And if it is, then I'll need to pay a higher rate on that returning gain. Obviously, not the EIS growth in the EIS itself because that's CGT free but the if you've deferred your gain um I think business owners the uh, the other um planning opportunity for EIS I might focus on is business owners people that have sold their own business typically find themselves all of a sudden uh, if their business has gone well very wealthy um with a big pot of capital often there are people thinking about I'd quite like to be invested in some other companies with interesting growth potential and EIS for them can be quite interesting. Um, one thing I haven't touched on is that through EIS, you have the opportunity to claim income tax relief in the year that you make each investment, or you can choose to carry it back to the previous year. So that can be really relevant to business owners who have sold out because they might not be looking at the income tax bill for the current year or the next year, but looking back to last year, they might have been taking uh, dividends, a big salary potentially from their company. Um, but EIS tends to appeal in conversations, potentially deferring some of their gain that exceeded business asset, business asset disposal relief, assuming they qualified for it, partly the income tax relief set off, partly the um, whole proposition of just supporting growing companies tends to be quite interesting to business owners. They've got the, they've got the entrepreneurial culture, as you said. Yes, they do, yeah. Just those are brilliant examples. I'm sure they will really resonate with our listeners today. And I, I have to wrap up now and thank you for that whistle-stop journey through the world of EIS and VCTs. Um, certainly with tax year end around the corner, I'm sure our listeners today will really appreciate what you've had to say. So thank you, Jess. No problem. It's lovely um, speaking to you both. Thanks for having me. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research, and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.